so incredibly beautiful. And I want to send a really special happy first Mother's Day out to Steph Herrera, one of the great volunteers here at Menham Hills Community Church. Let me repeat that word, volunteer, who got nearly a hundred emailed videos and put them all together so we could enjoy them. More to come. Steph, you rock, and we cannot wait to meet that precious little girl of yours that's due in just a few weeks. Mother's Day and church. Together they carry a certain irony with them. It is next to Christmas Eve and Easter. It's almost universally the most attended church service of the year. And yet, it's that reality which makes it for so many not-to-be moms one of the most difficult church Sundays of the year. See, today is the day we're reminded of the unconditional and self-sacrificing love that in many ways it seems like only a mother can provide. And yet, for many that gather with us today, it's also a reminder of the the unconditional and self-sacrificing love they either haven't experienced or they haven't been permitted to give. And and so this Mother's Day, like last Mother's Day, I want to acknowledge that. And, And I'd like to open my thoughts today with a poem called The Wide Spectrum of Mothering. I read it to you last year. I'd like to read it again. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who have experienced loss through miscarriage and failed adoptions or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk that hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and and disappointments, we walk with you, and and please forgive us for when we say foolish things. We We don't mean to make it harder than it already is. To those of you who are foster moms, mentor moms, spiritual moms, we need you. To those of you who have warm, close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment and heartache and are distanced from your kids, we we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of their own mothers, we acknowledge your pain. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out yet the way you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not yet to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and (laughs) rejoice with you. To those who placed children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and and remember how you will always hold that child in your heart. To those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and, and surprising, we anticipate with you this Mother's Day. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. We have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. Now, As I said to you before, with nearly 100 video submissions, it seemed kind of rude for me to lob into Steph three more of my own, and and so I'm going to maybe abuse the privilege of the pulpit just a bit this morning and, and address my own mom if I can. 
this will be the first Mother's Day, I'm not going to be able to give her a kiss or give her a hug. But I know she's watching, and so, Mom, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for helping me to understand what unconditional love really looks like. You hear of it, you, you read it, but as your son, I've gotten to experience it. No sooner did you stop caring for your four kids when you suddenly needed to care for your own mother and father. And then shortly after that, you had to care for your handicapped sister. And now, Mom, as you struggle so much physically, struggling to breathe often because of COPD, you're arguing with me about moving your COVID-19 positive older brother into your house so you can take care of him. You literally are unbelievable. Mom, I'll always remember the love, grace, and restraint you showed when you were dealing with a pompous, narcissistic, and entitled teenage son who thought he was smarter than you, and on at least one occasion told you he was smarter than you. What a fool. It's laughable, really. You know, Mom, I'll never forget that you let me discover my own foolishness, and in the face of what I would imagine felt like years of teenage disrespect. You never once returned to me any of the ridicule or the rudeness that I was actually due. And finally, Mom, my wish for you this Mother's Day is that you would know how deeply you are loved and by how many. How proud I am to call you my mom and that, that you would know the pride your Heavenly Father has in you for displaying to so many just what He looks like. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. I'll see you through the deck window in a couple hours. I was thinking about the love of my own mom, coupled with the ways in which as a teenager, like some of you, I didn't really understand it or respect her that much. I came across this unbelievable revelation from God about his love for us in our own seasons of doubt, and I wanted to share it with you guys. Many of us today, and maybe you're one of them, we're in seasons of, of doubt. Unemployment claims at nearly 30 million, 70,000 people dead, a lot of them right around us. Um, we're in the midst of a global pandemic, and there's no doubt that that can bring about seasons of doubt. So indulge me this Mother's Day morning as we take a one-week pause in our series opening up me again. I want to share with you what I think God would want you to understand this Mother's Day about seasons of doubt. This teaching, it comes via Israel's great prophet Isaiah, and he records this incredible messianic prophecy about the coming of Jesus to be the Savior of the world in chapter 49 of his writing. Now, in that chapter, Isaiah is recording what God is saying in regards to Israel's long-awaited Messiah. Isaiah writes that this Messiah will not only restore Israel, but will be, quote, a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of all of the earth. In fact, Isaiah goes on. He writes about all of these promises regarding the things that will come. In the time of my favor, I will answer you, God said, and, and in the day of salvation, I'll help you. They will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat them down. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. And then God concluded to his people this way. He said, shout for joy, you heavens. 
Rejoice, you earth, burst into song, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and he'll have compassion on his afflicted ones. Which is a wonderful, amazing promise to both Jews and Gentiles, but there's only one problem. The Jews weren't really feeling it then. It might have been truth that God was going to do all of these things, but it wasn't their current reality or experience. And so all of those words were great, but at the end of the day, they weren't all that comforting for them. And maybe you and I, as Gentiles, this quarantine Mother's Day morning, maybe we know that all of those words are true. Maybe we've made a mental ascendance to the love of God through Jesus, but maybe especially given our current plight, we aren't feeling it either. I, I, just, I just love this. Now, I love that Isaiah even recorded it. But Zion said, let me explain. But Zion said, Zion in Jerusalem was a small mountain where the temple had been built but which now had been destroyed by Israel's enemies. And so in the Bible, oftentimes when you see Zion, it's a, a synonym for Jerusalem or for the people of Israel. So God gives all of these promises, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. That's great, God. Wonderful promises, God. I mean, for Israel at the time, I'm sure it was, that's fantastic, but what about today? What about me? What about us? Wonderful promises about the future, but, but right now I'm not feeling it. Right now I feel forsaken. I, I feel forgotten. You see, for Israel, Zion had, this was their experience, Zion's been trampled. The temple lies in ruins. And God, you can say all these things, and you can promise all of these things. Actually, what's, what's fascinating is, is Zion doesn't reply that they don't believe these things. They don't think that these things won't happen. They believe in God and his promises, but they also, at the moment, feel abandoned and forgotten, which is pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting diametric. I mean, I believe in you, God, and your truth and your promises, but God, right now, I feel like you forgot me. Can I get a family room amen somewhere this morning? Because so, for so many of us, this is our current story. God, I believe you. God, I got baptized. God, I go on mission trips. I read my Bible. God, I give my 10% every week. And God, yet this Mother's Day, I'm locked up in my house. I can't see my kids I can't see my mom. It looks like I might lose my job. And when you live here in New Jersey, it seems like we all know someone who is or has gotten sick. God, I believe, but right now, I feel forgotten. And so God responds. And he doesn't respond the way I might if I was God, which is really good that I'm not. My response would have been like, what are you, are you kidding me? After all I've done for you, after the way I, I've repeatedly bailed you people out time and time again, and all you ever do is walk away. Do you remember how I took you by the hand and led you out of Egypt and through the Red Sea? Any of that ring a bell to you guys? And, and that wasn't the only time I've had to bail you guys out. And now in light of what I've done, in light of what I'm going to do, your response is you feel forgotten, 
well, either you people got to put your big boy panties on or I got to find myself some new chosen people. But that's not what God said. Now, instead, and I want you to hear this, this pandemic quarantine Mother's Day, here's God's response to people who know the truth, yet in light of difficult circumstances, can't help but wonder if God has actually forgotten them. God responds to Zion, and he says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she's born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. God, and this is utterly, utterly amazing, especially if you think about it in light of the role that women were permitted in culture and society at the time. God, the ruler of the universe, the Alpha and Omega, the cornerstone of all creation, that God compares himself not to a mighty warrior, not to a reigning king, but to a nursing mother. The God of the universe is like a nursing mother. Tim Keller has some great reflections on this truth, and, and what he argues is that what God would like for you to do nothing more is to deeply reflect on this so deeply, in fact, that it moves from a theological point, something you just read or maybe memorize, to an experiential truth. In other words, what does it mean that God would say this? That God, who could compare himself to anything, why in all of creation would he compare himself to a nursing mother? And in deep reflection on this point, what Keller would argue is that you'll discover a truth about the love that God has for you and the power that is given to you that will help move your affections and transform your life. Hard as it may seem to believe, and gosh, if you want some homework this week, take some time to reflect on this. There are actually a lot of ways in which the love of God is like that of a nursing mother for her child. Keller actually gives three. First, he says, physically. Physically, this is what God's love for us is like. Has God forgotten about you? Well, can a nursing mother forget about her child? No, because physically, and I remember these days with my wife and my four kids, physically, a mother cannot forget about her nursing child. She doesn't need to set an alarm in order to remember to nurse the child. She doesn't need to be reminded to care for her child. Why? Because nursing mothers have a need that's developed in them to nurse the child. And if they don't, they become physically uncomfortable. You see, the more you nurse, the more you need to nurse. In fact, all you need to do at a certain point is hear the cry of your child. And something within you is actually physically moved towards them to meet their needs. You can't help it. And God says, this is... My love for you, forget you, I, I could never forget you. Since, since I birthed you, your needs have, have not just been known by me, but they've been felt by me. They're ingrained deeply. I, I just see you and I moved. I hear your cries and, and I, I come to comfort you. I can't but help to provide for you. What's, what is your need? It's become part of my very nature. But it's not just physically, it's emotionally too. A mother and a nursing child are in many ways bonded. In fact, that bond is one of the strongest known to all of man. Why? Well, because when a mother nurses a child, there's not just a physical release, but, but a chemical response within her brain. 
When a mother nurses a child, oxytocin is released, which is often referred to as the love hormone, and, and, it, and it makes the mother feel delight and contentment. God says to his people, for, forget you. Are you kidding? Just the mere thought of you brings me joy. It was the prophet Zephaniah who wrote, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He'll take great delight in you. In his love, he'll no longer rebuke you, but he'll rejoice over you with singing. God is both the mighty warrior and the nursing mom. And of course, there's what we're here to celebrate today, or what we're all celebrating today, is the unconditional love of a mom. It is, when it's a right relationship, there is no other relationship like it. Every human relationship, even the closest of them, has at its root a give-and-take model and response. I mean, even in the closest of human relationships, marriage, we have to take vows just to ensure the ground rules. But as Keller points out, there's a give-and-take relationship between that of a mother and a child. Of course there is. It works this way. All the child does is take, 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 and all the mother does is give, give, give. 24-7, 365, the child does nothing to merit the love or deserve the love of the mother, and yet the mom's entire life changes to revolve around the child. She can't leave him nor forsake him. I mean, even if she wants to just go out of the house for a short amount of time, she's so physically and emotionally tied to the child's welfare, she has to do, do so only with great amounts of planning and, and forethought. See, this was my mom. This was my experience. That's why when I read this from God, even in the middle of a, a, an uncertain time, even in the middle of a, a pandemic, I understand it, and I can feel the, the depth of his love. But then God actually goes on and says something kind of strange. He, he says, though she may for, forget, I will not forget you. In other words, I know this is not everyone's experience. I know that. I know everyone didn't have the mom I had. And God knows that. And he wants you to know that though you may have been forgotten in some sense by your own mother, he will never forget you. God would say, eventually, every mother's milk will cease and she'll no longer have a physical connection to the child. But he would tell you, I'll still have one of you. I'll still be physically moved towards you by your needs. I think God would say the oxytocin one day will cease for all human mothers. But my joy and contentment in you will never change. God's saying, you see, a mother's love is nothing compared to my love for you. Just as everything in her being moves her towards you, everything about my nature drives me towards you. Just as her eyes are constantly fixed on her child, so mine are set on you. Even though just like a mom, this relationship is incredibly one-sided, I give and you take, yet... I have loved you from the dawn of all creation and will for all of time. And it is in understanding this, at that kind of depth, I think God comes to us in this pandemic, this Mother's Day, and says, I've never left you. I haven't forsaken you. 
I know exactly what your situation is. I hear your cries. And I am moved towards you. I will protect you. I will meet your need. And when we get this, not just at the head level, but at the heart level, when we understand who he is and the love he has for us, it's at that point we start to live a little bit differently. Well, now, if you know the scripture at all, now comes a pretty famous verse. Maybe one you've heard before, but I'm guessing you probably haven't understood it in this context. I know I hadn't until this week, until this Mother's Day. Because right up until now, God's been assuring Israel and, and us in difficult days of, of his love, but he's been doing it with words and images. But just like the Israelites in situations like the one we're in now, gosh, wouldn't it be great to have something more tangible than imagery? Because after all, love is not merely a feeling. Love ultimately is an action. Love is a choice. Love is something I do. I am convinced of the love of my mom, the love she had for me, not just because of her words of affirmation and encouragement. And there were a lot of them. I've saved most of the cards my mom has ever written to me. They are deeply meaningful. I could bring them. I should have brought them today. It's funny. If you go card shopping with my mom, the kids laugh at this because they've taken her now too. It takes her forever. She's got to read each one of these dopey cards and find the perfect one for each person. And I really don't even know why, because then she goes home and writes a whole other paragraph on them. And I love these cards. But at the end of the day, it's not these cards that have proved my mom's love to me. It was her actions. It wasn't just her words. And for the most part, as a child, I never understood all that she had given up and sacrificed for me. Most of those things I wasn't even aware of. I just knew she wouldn't do what I wanted her to do. I, I, I knew she wouldn't buy me a new bike or drive me to my friend's house or let me stay out later. Those were the things I wanted really badly in the moment. Those were the things that she said no to even though I asked her over and over again. When you're 16 and all your friends have a moped and you really want a moped and everybody else has some freedom because they can go places on your moped and your mom won't let you get a moped, it really makes you question if she even loves you, which in hindsight is laughable. But at the time, it felt real. And I mean, isn't this us? Isn't this how we interact with God? We want out of the pandemic now. God, if you love us, end it. We want the jobs back now, the quarantine lifted now. And since God doesn't seem to be answering our prayers our neighbors keep getting sick. Our, our kids aren't having prom. Spring sports got canceled. I can't even get through the unemployment office. God, those were all nice words, but I'd like to see some actions. <laughs> to which God looks at Zion, and I, I think he looks at us, and he responds. He says, um, see, look. I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. God says, I've engraved you on the palm of my hands. And, and the meaning here is actually kind of twofold. First, in ancient times, it was true that often a master would tattoo upon his servant his name, but it was never the servant's name that would be tattooed upon the master because if that were to take place, it would have to be with a master who was in some sense completely sold out and devoted to the servant. And so we have this beautiful metaphor about the love God has for us 
Not that he marks us as his servants, but that God writes our names on his hands. And again, that would be profound and moving enough, except that the Hebrew word there isn't tattoo or write. The word there is engrave, and in the original Hebrew, it actually means to engrave with a hammer, a chisel, or a spike. Who in the world, out of love for someone, would ever allow another person to hammer or chisel or drive a spike through their hand? That does not seem to be as beautiful a metaphor. Until you remember, as Keller pointed out, that centuries later, a man named Thomas lived. A man who was living much like Zion. A man filled with doubt about God because his circumstances had not turned out the way he envisioned. And into Thomas's life, through the locked doors of Thomas's own quarantine, walked Jesus, who said to Thomas, Thomas, in your doubt and fear and despair, look at my hands. If you doubt my love for you, Thomas, you don't need to look any further. Your name is engraved in the palm of my hands. This is the love that God has for you. Physically, emotionally, unconditionally, And at some level, I get it. You know why? Because of my mom. My mom loved and still does love me in each of those ways. She has, through her love, shown me his love. Now, I hope you have or you had a mom like that. If you didn't, please know that God's love for you this Mother's Day morning is different. It is like the perfect love of a mother that, is, that you've longed for. May you see your name this morning in the palm of his hands. For those of you who, like me, did have a mom like this, I, I want you to engage in something kind of fun with me as a way of being reminded today that in the middle of all the turmoil, God has not forsaken, nor forgotten, nor abandoned us. Instead, he has our names engraved on the palm of his hand. I want to ask you to join me in honoring your mom in a special way this Mother's Day, to honor my mom and to remember the ways in which she's loved me and the ways that she has shown me that God has loved me. I've engraved her name on my hands. Mom, when I see this all day today, and I will, Mom, because it's Sharpie and we had to make it big for the cameras, I will remember all the ways in which you have loved me. And because of you, I know, even in the middle of a pandemic, how our God loves me. If you do that, I'd love for you to honor your mom and post the picture of your hands up on our Facebook page or up on our Instagram page, and we can all celebrate the love of God as seen through the selfless love of a mother. Happy Mother's Day, Mendham. Guys, don't forget, this Thursday night, Dave Jansen is starting a brand new series we would love for you to get involved in. It's called Seeker Six. Dave's going to explain over the next six weeks 
just in a, in a short Zoom call together, six things that he wished he had understood when he started out his pursuit of Christ. If you're new to the faith, I would like you to join that journey with Dave. Go to mhcc.life and sign up. We're going to close today with our final Dear Mom videos. Thanks again, Steph, and to everyone who contributed to this. May you know this morning the physical love of God, that he is moved towards your need. May you know the emotional love of God, that when he thinks of you, he smiles. He rejoices over you with singing. And may you experience the unconditional love of God as shown in the hands of his beloved son. I'll see you all back here next week. Happy Mother's